If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. With Indeed, everything hiring is all in one place and it makes it so easy. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences each day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. The more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join the more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash podcast. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This is the Art of Awesome show number 180. There's so much mysticism that surrounds fitness mm-hmm. and exercise and fad diets and fad exercises. It's, it's, I mean, it's a really predatory market. Um, and, you know, in a culture where we don't have a lot of time for ourselves, sitting down and reading good information is not something that we all do. So we get really drawn in by marketing. Hit it! That's what I'm talking about. Wait! Okay now, from the beginning. Hit it, boys. Welcome to the Art of Awesome. My name is Nick Troutman, and I'm a professional athlete, entrepreneur, family man, and adventure seeker. My goal is to share with you stories, knowledge, and inspiration as we continue on the journey together, searching for that secret sauce to producing awesome results in everyday life. Thanks for spending some time with me today, and let's get to it. Welcome to the Art of Awesome podcast. I am your host, Nick Troutman, and this is the show where we search for that secret sauce to success and the difference between the average and the awesome. Today is Monday, so we've got another deep dive interview, and today's guest, I got to sit down and speak with a great friend of mine, Chris Wing, all about how he got into kayaking, his transition into coaching, starting his own kayak school, and now getting into exercise science and starting to study physical therapy. So we learn a lot about paddling, about maybe some of our weak points that the position of kayaking gives us and how to strengthen those. So a really, really fun conversation, a lot of laughs. I actually can't uh, can't remember the last time I recorded a podcast and laughed so much. So I learned a ton, I laughed a ton, and yeah, just very excited to share this interview with you guys. So let's go ahead and jump right into it. Here is Chris Wing. Chris, welcome to the Art of Awesome podcast. I'm very excited to have you here. And we've been paddling together, I don't even know how long, for, I think I met you. I started terrorizing you guys over at Rock Island in 2007. Yeah, I was going to say definitely well over a decade. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But you've got an amazing story. I want to kind of hear how you got into paddling. You're also uh, an amazing teacher and coach. So I want to hear your transition from just paddling, getting into teaching. And then now you have been studying exercise science and getting into physical therapy. So I want to kind of hear that whole transition, but would love to hear just how you got into paddling and how that took you to where you are right now. Well, I'll try to keep this as short as possible because otherwise we'll do an hour of that story right there. Um, thanks for having me on, um, the art of awesome podcast. Uh, so I got into kayaking through a university program back in 2000. Uh, I remember I had a buddy there with the whitewater kayak and he was showing off and everything. I'm like, man, that's, that's pretty sweet. I want to try that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I literally hook line sinker. remember like going to the local kayak shop and, buying VHS tapes. And I remember seeing like EJ and Clay and BJ Johnson and all yep. these guys from West Virginia. I'm just like, especially freestyle, like playboating was really attractive to me because I, I didn't have like a world-class river in my backyard. I had a river in my backyard, but like with the dinky little play spot. So that's mm-hmm. what I, that's what I got. Yep. Um, long story short of it, school at that time, wasn't really what I wanted to focus in on. Like as soon as I started kayaking, game over, you know, yeah. mid twenties, like not even mid twenties. And I'm just like, 
I don't want to sit in a classroom. This sucks. Yeah. <laughs> it does. Like, you know, so I wanted to get out and I moved down to North Carolina, started teaching kayaking um, in 2005, like, pro- like professional level uh, kayak instruction and, mm-hmm. you know, where it was a full-time job. And, and that's uh, H2O dreams. No, that was it's, before. That was, oh. So I started, I was uh, an instructor for two seasons at uh, the Nanny Hill Outdoor Center. Gotcha. And then I worked seven seasons at the U.S. National Whitewater Center um, really early on in I that program. I do remember that. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I had access to great facilities and great folks and, you know, professional level kayakers. But like I said, when we were talking before we started this up, like, uh, I started terrorizing you guys over Rock Island, like mm-hmm. in 07, 08, I, I really wanted to start competing in freestyle and I was kind of a reluctant athlete. Like I never really got to, like, I tried committing as much time as possible, but it's tough. Like yeah. in, if you're really going to, if you're going to beat the best, you have to train like the best. And that means you gotta, you gotta train pretty much year round, or at least your, your mind's gotta be in it. And mm-hmm. I still had a really deep passion for teaching. And when I, when I don't teach, I really crave to teach. And mm-hmm. I, I don't know if that's just like a character trait or whatever. Um, I've just really always enjoyed the connection with people. Um, and competition does that for me, but uh, not in the same way. Cause you know, like right before competition, everybody gets really quiet and stops talking to one another. I'm like, Hey, what happened? This was, this was really fun. Like that five days ago, man, fun, like yeah. we were talking. Um, and, uh, and then everybody kind of goes quiet. I'm like, and I was never great in that kind of environment. Like I grew up running track, um, it wrestled. I, I memorized every school ceiling when I wrestled, like I was really good at wrestling. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, it was like, as soon as competition time, I just never dialed in the mental game at the, you know, at a younger age, I feel much better about it now. Like mm-hmm. I like competing because I like what, uh, what it does for me personally. Like it's not the competition. It's like all the work leading up to it. It's the feeling of what that work does for you. Um, you know, in that kind of everlast, if you will, of, of post-training. Yeah. Um, so I've always liked the process more than I've liked, you know, just the result or that, you know, that fleeting moment, if you will. Um, which side note, I think is totally the best way to, um, I think absorb so. competition. I mean, the, the, the results, if you're, if you're only result focused, you will get burnt out eventually. Oh yeah. I mean, cause it just, it's not, uh, you have, you have a bad event or you have a bad string of events and you just give up then. Yep. And, and you go do something else yep. or you stop competing if you don't think you're going to win. And I think that's, you, you lose the whole idea and the whole, just what competition is. Yeah. So I like that, that, that was never the focus in the first place. Yeah. There's, yeah. Th- I think there's many spirits of competition. There's mm-hmm. definitely those that thrive on, on winning. Like, oh, and don't e- get me wrong. EJ is a great example of that. Like, yeah. That I, guy loves to win. And I, I grew up in that <laughs> but, environment with EJ. And yeah, trust yeah. me, I love to win too. And I'm yeah. going to work my hardest to try to win. Yeah. But I also recognize that if I don't win, I'm, or let me put it this way. I'm not going to not play the game. Yeah. If I'm not like, if I, if the, I know I'm not going to win, you're the, gonna game, the game is the it, juice is worth the squeeze. Yeah. Like, it's, it's fun. Yeah. It, it's, it is. Fun. That's the point is that the game, it's a game that you're playing yeah. and we play games because games are fun. That's right. And we always try to win the game. Yeah. But it doesn't mean that we're not going to play if we're not going that, to win. That's not like the sole motivation, right? Right. It's right. like, uh, well, you know, the, not to sound cliche, but the, the guy, the guy, a gal who's having the most fun wins. Yeah. Right. Yep. So at the end of the day, that's kind of what it came down to. Um, but yeah, in 2012, um, I actually got hurt from overuse. Like, uh, just, I was teaching eight hours a day. I was, um, getting really into Creek racing at the time. So mm-hmm. I was training super hard there too. So it was like eight hours a day of teaching and then three hours a day of training. Wow. And I wasn't giving my body a, a lot of breaks. And I, one thing that I didn't really understand at that time was like paying attention to certain metrics. Like I was losing body weight, which means I was losing muscle mass, right. which means I was setting myself up for injury. Right. Um, but I got hurt. I was out for like five months. I dislocated my sternoclavicular, which is this joint like right here. Oh wow. Which is like, it happens in car accidents in football. Is that your collarbone or what? It's, is... your, it's your collarbone where it joins your, uh, your, uh, your sternum. Okay. Which like folks don't even know that's a joint. It's yeah. Like put, put your finger there and move that, your arm around you. You feel how, how much mobility yeah. is provided by that joint. And I couldn't move my arm over my head without it uh. subluxing. So it sucked. And I asked a lot of hard questions at that time. And I'm like, am I like, 
am I going to work for these these schools? And I'm not trying to talk down or anything. Like, mm-hmm. am I going to work for these schools and like retire from these places? Um, are they doing it in the spirit that I want to do it? Mm-hmm. Can I do this better? Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, there's a certain level of arrogance when you go into business for yourself. It's like, yeah, I can. Yeah, <laughs> of course absolutely. I can do it better. <laughs> yeah. And you know, I, I take a lot of pride in our work. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I, I, I never brag about it or anything else, but we are like, t- this is our 10th year, um, with H2O dreams. And, uh, I really do feel like if, if nothing else, like I, I don't care if we're doing it better or whatever. I know that we've had an effect. Mm-hmm. Like I've seen it there's been a ripple that has occurred, especially in Southeast paddle instruction. Like we've seen some, some mimicry, right? Like Mm -hmm. we've been putting out some clinics for a long time. It really aren't new ideas. Like I take it back to like eighties and nineties style kayak construction, where it was definitely focused on drills, process, stuff like that. And, uh, it's less about single serving experiences. Mm -hmm. And, uh, we started seeing some things kind of change. Like we even start, started seeing some of our program names being used. It was like, hmm. that was really interesting and humbling and also terrifying. Like it was like, whoa, like I guess we kind of have that impact that we hoped that we would. Um, and you know, it, I, I got to do it with my wife, yeah. which was really awesome. Um, and uh, you know, that's been, it's also, that's, that's really difficult. Like 10 years of working side by side, like it's a gift, but at the same time being able to turn off that work and like be a married couple mm-hmm. and have like a home outside of like what our work is, that was extraordinarily difficult. The pandemic hit us hard and we decided, you know, it's time to, time to shift and change. That's why I'm back in school. Yep. Um, uh, Lydia is now uh, doing other work as well. We've got a, we got a staff of uh, 10 instructors, wow. which is insane. Yeah. Like, that's all. That's like, we like big time. Kayak si- school. Yeah. Six years ago, we were like, man, I really hope we can launch a, a youth program this year. That would be rad. Mm-hmm. And then we didn't. And then it was like, all right, we got to figure this out. Like we buckled down, got an outpost on the green river. You know, that, that was a big help. So yeah. So now I'm back in school. Um, because apparently I didn't have enough to do already, <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, I do better when I've got a lot to do. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, back in school, I'm at Appalachian State uh, up in Boone, North Carolina. Um, I'm an old guy amongst a crowd of really young kids. Of hipsters. I, I'm, you, the hipster. the I'm the hipster. I'm the hipster. I'm the astral hipster. Got like it. these are all granola kids. <laughs> like, um, it, it, the diversity up at App State is 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 pretty nil. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, the, the school itself, like the exercise science program up there is, is, uh, world-class. That's why I went there. Mm-hmm. Um, and being away from home five days a week is really tough, but, um, you know, sat down, had a hard conversation with Lydia about that and felt that this was the best move. Um, and I, I mean, the, the proof is in the pudding, like the, the folks that I'm getting to study under up there right now, are truly world-class. A lot of them have written the textbooks that are used internationally for mm-hmm. exercise science, um, and or contributed to those textbooks. Um, you know, they're a heavily, um, they're, they're really research heavy. So, um, there's a lot of really cool research that's being done there too. I'm not a research guy. I'm a practitioner. I like working with people. Mm-hmm. So I, my goal this whole time was to take this information come back to where I know best, which is working hands-on with people. Um, and it's to bolster our school and it's to bolster, uh, our paddling community. And honestly, it's to bolster even beyond that. Like, uh, I, I think this kind of information is really important for the general public. There's so much mysticism that surrounds fitness mm-hmm. and exercise and fad diets and fad exercises. It's, it's, I mean, it's a really predatory market. Um, and, you know, in a culture where we don't have a lot of time for ourselves, sitting down and reading good information is not something that we all do. So we get really drawn in by marketing. Yeah. Um, and marketing is a really powerful tool. It plays with emotion. Um, and I mean, we do it in kayak, kayaking too. You see it with, you know, like new boats that come out. Yeah. Like it's an emotionally driven kind of consumer market. Um, and uh, so it, I think it's important that we get good information out there that's digestible and also it doesn't make people feel small. Like it, it, it empowers them as opposed to belittles them. Mm-hmm. I think that's really important. 
So, so in studying exercise science <clears throat> and knowing, you know, sitting, kayaking itself, we're, we're sitting in, in these boats, kind of strapped into this Tupperware. And, uh, and that's a good way of putting it. And we're, we're using these fast twitch muscles and, and essentially power, power movements. Yep. Um, there's a lot of torque on the lower back, which we, we've been talking about uh, outside of this in the parking lot. Yeah, because our backs hurt. Yeah, and, and a lot of people, I mean, I've definitely heard of a lot of people within paddle sports that have uh, lower back pain or just mm-hmm. back pain in general. It, what, are, what are maybe some of the best things that we could be doing within paddle sports to, to help relieve that, to either stretch for it? Um, yeah. Or, or yeah, maybe like an exercise or something to strengthen that. What, how are some of the best ways that we can kind of address the sure. fact that we're in this like seated position all the time and that's not the best position for. Yeah. I mean, you kind of just hit the nail on the head there. It's like, we're sitting, sitting mm-hmm. is terrible for us. We're bipeds, right? So we're supposed to be up and moving. Um, you know, that's, that's where, you know, our skeletal muscle system is at its most efficient mm-hmm. when we're up and walking. Um, so sitting as a whole is terrible as we sit here and talk. Yeah. Um, and you know, I'm sitting in a classroom now a bunch, which is terrible. And then I go and sit in a kayak, which makes it even worse. And this is, this is the general paddling public. This is what they do. The the majority of the time they're coming either off the couch or out of the office chair and sitting down in a kayak. Well, but before that they're going out of the office and then into a car and then driving to the river and then getting into a kayak. It's just sitting, sitting, We just came out of a pandemic, right? Like, I don't know if I get to declare that, right? Yeah. Um, But anyways, (laughs) um, you know, the, the, I I joke with people and it's not really a joke. I I feel like the real pandemic is sitting. Mm -hmm. Like, and there's a lot of great articles that you can read on how detrimental it is to health and not just like, um, back pain, mm-hmm. like we're talking about like, uh, metabolic health, like where we start getting into metabolic diseases and things like that, you know, um, cancer, diabetes, uh, mm-hmm. heart disease, all of that stuff has direct roots to sitting. Um, now granted when we're in a kayak, we're moving too. Right. Um, you know, but we're working into a boat's outfitting. And the problem is, is what sitting does is it's going to create some muscle imbalances. I remember working with a PT, um, Liz Cook, Blue Ridge Biomechanics out of Asheville. She's actually one of the PTs that has inspired me to pursue PT. Awesome. Um, but, you know, Liz likes to poke fun at kayakers. She's like, we got weak butts. Like our, <laughs> our glutes are just, you know, just absolutely flaccid, like not being used. It's like, yeah. you know, you sit in a chair, try to squeeze your butt. It's actually kind of hard. It's much easier if you're standing. Right. Um, but uh, yeah, so, you know, when we sit in a chair... We're shortening some muscles and those muscles will tighten and we're lengthening other muscles and we're also causing other muscles to go to sleep. Um, so, you know, understanding what that, what, what those muscle groups are mm-hmm. and then focusing in on that. Um, so a lot of the time for, for folks that sit a lot, lower abdominal muscle, uh, you know, lower ad- abdominal exercises and glute exercises do a lot to strengthen the areas that need to be strengthened. And that tends to resolve a lot of the issues. I'm not trying to paint a broad brushstroke here. Everybody's situation is unique and they should see somebody that actually knows. Mm -hmm. Like, and that doesn't even necessarily mean you have to go to a PT. Like there are a lot of personal trainers out there with a lot of great knowledge that base it on, you know, science backed Mm -hmm. um, research and everything else. And, or they work with PTs and They've, they've kind of worked through, you know, some apprenticeship there and they really understand movement. Um, so there's a lot of good folks out there. Again, careful to discern what's marketing and what's, because everybody's trying to sell a program. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that's the tough part. Um, the other thing with kayakers is we do a lot of repetitive movement. Mm-hmm. Um, and with repetitive movement, you're going to overdevelop muscle groups, right? Those muscle groups are going to get stronger. And this is for any sport that has like specific movement to it. Um, you're going to overdevelop those muscle groups and it tends to neglect others. And every muscle has an antagonizing muscle or synergistic muscle. So, you know, if you're overdeveloping one, it's going to overpower the balance Mm -hmm. because really those muscles work in balance. Like that's the idea. Um, and it starts to pull or push, you know, the skeleton in different directions. And then our nervous system gets affected by that. And, uh, that's where pain, you know, is directly attributed to. Uh, so like if we have back pain, that's the nerves in our back signaling to our brain, yo dummy, get up and walk around. Right. 
Um, now you, you know, we were talking about this last night. You're like, well, I started running, but before I could start running, I had to do all of this other stuff because I created some real issues with yeah. sitting in a kayak for <clears throat> how long you've been paddling for uh, coming up 60 on- years, right? <laughs> I was going to say 20, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. but yeah, it, a long time. And the problem with, I mean, I've had several different injuries throughout, you know, the 20 years of paddling. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if, if I'm the anomaly, uh, anomaly here where the fact that I'm just like injury prone or if everybody who's been doing it for 20 years has the same thing, do you know what I mean? But either way, um, I've had, I've had many issues and, um, and part of that, so I've had where I'm now my pelvis is like essentially rotated forward. Yeah, interior pelvic tilt. Because like, I've been sitting in a, in a boat for just so yep. much of the last 20 years. Um, and then part of that, I guess, I have, I think, shortened my hip flexors. Yep. And so I've actually, and I've torn my hip flexors because of that and had, and there was a point where, where actually, so using a seatbelt within my freestyle boat yep. caused so much problem because I couldn't lift my butt off the seat when I would do loop tricks or anything like that, that I actually, that I think is a big part of what, um, contributed to tearing my hip flexor. He's telling the guy who's got a seatbelt in yes, his kayak currently. So just <laughs> consider that. But, um, and maybe I'm wrong on this, but this is just kind of what I came to the conclusion. Yeah. No, um, yeah. and then, and so then after having that hip flexor issue, then I couldn't essentially run or like really do I could walk, obviously. I wasn't like... You, but, but you but could I, have very well... Could, you could have been spiraling in the wrong direction. Right, there, and, right? and I kind of like came to the conclusion. I was like, um, I was bummed because I was like, I can't even go for like a mile run anymore. Yep. And it took me probably, probably, I don't know, two or three years of just kind of like not running and, and just letting that heal. And, try, yep. and also a big part after that was that I couldn't be in my playboat for more than... 45 minutes to an hour, which really you shouldn't be even that long. Right. And so, so I just, I started recognizing and really more than anything, I started paying attention yep. to what my body was telling me to, to like, as soon as I would feel some pain or something, I'm like, okay, time to get out instead of like, we're in the past. I, I would just always be pushing forward, put like, push through it, push through it, take some more Advil, yep. push through it, push through it. Do you know what I mean? And now I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Anytime my body's telling me something, I try to like listen and be like, okay, maybe I need to take a step back yeah. and like chill out or, or stretch or do yoga or yep. warm up more and all this stuff. Um, you have and, to be a lot more clever with your training as you age. Right, right. And, yeah. and yeah, when I was young, I would do, you know, a lot of stupid stuff and I still do lots of stupid stuff in the sense of like, oh, yeah. <laughs> not, not warming up and not stretching and all that kind of stuff. But, but yoga became a big part of, yeah. of kind of like my rehab. And then after a while I started uh, being able to run again and then, and then running and, and even, or walking or any of that kind of just a, especially during the pandemic, there's, there's like a four mile loop at my house that I would just do that every morning. Yeah. Um, and then that helped a lot. And, and, um, and just researching health in general, peak performance, all this kind of stuff. I, I started hearing, I, I listen for like the, when I hear the same thing over and over from lots of different sources, then like the light bulb goes off, like, oh, maybe there's something here to be paying attention to. Because that to me is something different than the marketing that you were talking yeah. about. Like when somebody's like, oh, do this, hey, you should do this because it's better. I'm like, okay, maybe. But when I hear everybody across the board saying the same thing, then it's like, well, maybe there really is something here because everybody's saying this helps. That, that said, there's a danger to that too. You know, there's typical tropes that get passed along for a long, long time. True. Um, and I'm trying, man, uh, I just heard it the other day, actually. It was, I was sitting in class with a bunch of 20-somethings mm-hmm. and we were, I, I'm in a motor behavior class right now, which is just essentially how the brain works with the body. Um, and, uh, you know, one of the in-class activities we were doing was basically having to describe how different people learn and different, you know, using mm-hmm. different learning theories. Um, stuff that I've been doing for years with teaching. Yep. Um, but uh, something that I heard one of the students say, we were talking about how to learn to fall on a snowboard, which is an important mm-hmm. skill. Like, it's, you, it's just like, how do you wet exit out of a kayak? That's probably an important skill to teach. Yep. Um, and uh, she had said, she get, it, somebody asked, like, well, is snowboarding easier, easier than skiing? And I remember when I first learned to ski, somebody said this. And I couldn't believe it because, like, we're so separated by distance. But somebody said, um, well, skiing is easier to learn but harder to master. And snowboarding is harder to learn but easier to master. And 
I can't tell you how many times I've heard people spit that out. Really? And to me, number one, if you try looking that up anywhere, like number one, who said that? I want to find that person (laughs) and I want to ask them why they said that. My first gut instinct hearing that is I was like, well, clearly that person hasn't mastered it because I was like, mastery is such a skill on its own. Yeah. And so much time. Like, mastery is like, mastery, it's, it's autonomous, right? Yeah. You're not even thinking about something. Right. Um, and you're still thinking in those moments a lot of the time. But yeah, yeah I, you know, she said it. And I'm like, that's too funny. Like, I. Did you like, ask her if she's a master I, snowboarder? <laughs> I, I didn't. You know, again, I don't want to alienate myself anymore from you right. know, some, some of the students I. You know, the other day I did, we were doing a, a, what we, a pulmonary test in our, mm-hmm. our ex-phys lab and, uh, I volunteered to be the subject and, uh, my, my, uh, professor was like, he's putting in all of your metrics because it kind of compares based on your age, your stature, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And, uh, he's like, what year were you born? And I was like, <laughs> no, man, you didn't just ask that. Damn it. Like I've been doing a really good job of like yeah, hiding it. In. Like yeah. I'm dressing the part here. Like <laughs> I got the hip haircut. Like, yeah. you know, I mean, I still obviously do not look like everybody else. Yeah. Uh, I have a few more wrinkles. Um, and I'm like, you suck, man. Like <laughs> he, I, he didn't know what he just did. Yeah. Uh, and I'm like 1980. And everybody's like, oh, like you could hear like yeah. the air leave the room. Yeah. I'm like, no. Like, like that so, can't be a real number. Yeah. yeah that's, wow. That's, you weren't born in the 2000s? That's 40 years ago. <laughs> yeah, so like I um I do interact with my cohorts, mm-hmm. but it's still really weird. Like I have a lot of life experience now too, like mm-hmm. that you know, a 40-year-old version of yourself talking to a 20-year-old version of yourself would truly be something to watch. Yeah. Um, and that's what I'm living day in and day out right now. Yeah. But the the good news is, is like, especially with the grad classes, like those folks are there to learn. So that's, that's really good. And the professors are, actually the professors are like kind of initially infatuated, like, what are you doing here? Yeah, like, yeah, what's yeah. your story? <laughs> like generally somebody your age, like do you, we any, don't, do you have any professors that are younger than you? Uh trying to think I if so maybe only a couple years but like when I first started back at school oh yeah like and like (laughs) considerably younger uh I my first semester at App State I took a class it's a gerontology class which is like it's um I joke it's old people studies I was just about to say isn't that like old it's (laughs) but it's like it's a sociology class so you're like you're actually studying like older populations okay it it actually was a fascinating class interesting um I'll I'll save that for another discussion another time (laughs) but my professor was considerably younger than me yeah and you know he was he was a great professor did he tell you that they were studying you <laughs> I didn't quite no that class really hit like 60 and above. I okay. got a few more years. Like we need to get like Clay or you know somebody like that like um but overall like that's been it's been fine. Like there's mm-hmm. been no power struggle or anything. I know when to shut up. Like yeah. I'm there to learn. <clears throat> I'm not there to like show off. Right. And you know these folks are in a position because they know something. Right. Um, or they've, they've spent a portion of their life now really studying it hard. Mm-hmm. And I think part of that process is also teaching it. Like those that know it really well can teach it, right? So, you know, like when I teach somebody how to roll a kayak, I really feel like they should leave that lesson knowing how to teach it or self-diagnose mm-hmm. or recognize kinesthetic cues or things mm-hmm. like that. Like that's really important. That's That's a... That's a, a, a sign of, of knowledge or that they've actually learned. Mm-hmm. If they can't repeat the information, maybe they can't physically repeat it, but if they can't repeat the ideas, then is it learned? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's not mastered by any means, but maybe they've got that information and they've got, they, they're able to paint a picture. Yeah. Like, you know, you know, as well as anybody, like you got to be able to go out and practice skills. And when you first learned, you know, a particular freestyle trick, it took um, probably a lot of different folks using different language for you to get that picture painted, right? And uh, once you hear the words or get the visualization or whatever it is that helped you key in on something that was really important for you, that's a sign that you've learned. Mm -hmm. Again, it doesn't mean that you've mastered, but you're learning. Mm -hmm. Um, 
and that's, I mean, that's critical. So I value that. And obviously these people have shown proficiency and I've, I've, there's very few professors that I've experienced now at this point that really have been, um, you know, less than what they've purported to be. Yeah. Uh, I have experienced, especially early on, uh, what turned me off about higher education initially, which is gatekeeping. And I think this is what keeps a lot of people from continuing to pursue it. So you get, you get hard asses. They're like, well, I've been through, I've been through it Mm -hmm. and you're going to have to go through it right now in this one class. And it's like, that's BS. That's gatekeeping. That's, that has no place in education. Um, yeah, I'll leave it at that. That, <laughs> that can get that can get well, negative real so, quick. So talking talking about learning though, and and so I'm obviously very athletic focused, you know, in in learning about just sure. sports psychology. It's sports, relevant, all that, and just anything. Yeah. Um, when you're learning this stuff, are you regularly contributing? Like, oh, I w-, like this will apply to my paddling or this or oh, yeah. the other stuff like, like that. That's what's so cool, right? You say. You, I, um, I train instructors, mm-hmm. you know, it, and you know, we have a cadre of instructors at H show dreams. So those are, those are my closest mentors or, you know, my, my mentoring, mm-hmm. um, students or my mentees, yeah. I think is the, the term. Um, but I, you know, I also do, uh, trainings for, for American canoe association, which I, is important work. Um, but what I like the, the instructors in our school, I know intimately, and you know that that process is 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 such i mean everything that i'm learning in school right now i can take right back and reinforce and bolster what it is that we are already doing it it turns out and it it, and sometimes it just uh it 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 confirms Mm -hmm. like man we were doing it right right like and it's and it's again a lot of education is also theory so it's Mm -hmm. also understanding it's like we can we can bend and change and shift mm-hmm. and get creative with this stuff. Um, it's not rigid. Yeah, like science isn't supposed to be rigid. Yeah, um, that's so, not in the spirit of science. Science is constant discovery. Yeah, right. So you don't go and do an experiment and you're like, well, that's it. We discovered it. Yeah, it's time to move on. Yeah. it's like no, you go and you continue to experiment. Let's put it in a different environment. Let's and use it with this test. person. Yeah. yeah. And what you come to find out, that's why everything kind of remains theory. It's like, mm-hmm. there's no one size fits all. So, so you're talking about with the lower back pain earlier that the, maybe the best way to kind of counteract that is to, to strengthen our glutes, maybe go for a run, go for a walk, stretch maybe. Is, that, is, like, is yoga part of that? And am I even on the right plan for like sure. helping with the lower back there? Yeah. And then maybe what's like, so what are some other things? Like I'm thinking shoulders are another, another common uh, paddling injury or, or something that I've, maybe that's just another one of my paddling injuries that I'm constantly trying to work on. I've used battle ropes a ton to help with that, to kind of strengthen a lot of the like small yeah. muscles around my shoulders. What are just some different movements or motions um, or strengthening or stretching or anything that you see that might have like the so, best effect for, for paddlers. Sure. And you know, I think what paddlers lack a lot of the time is time. Right. Mm-hmm. So, cause we want to go paddling. We want to go paddling. <laughs> that's why we don't work on like, that's why a lot of paddlers, you know, get on rivers before they should get on rivers because right. they're like, I want to go do that. I don't have time to practice. Like, also why I probably surf before I warm up. Cause I'm like, oh, I just want to go. I just want to <laughs> go surf, man. Like, don't tell me what to do. Yeah. Like, um, but, uh, you know, the big thing is, this is finding, um, again, I, for me, this is personal preference. This is going to be unique for everybody. I like to find activities that are kind of, um, different. Mm-hmm. So what I mean by that, uh, a, a friend, John Dittmars, uh, he's a squirt boater. He had a pretty catastrophic injury. Like he basically separated his upper half from his lower half. Mm, Jason um, Craig did that once. Yeah. His was trauma related. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and don't get me wrong. John's was as, as well, but his was from overuse. It was sneaky. Interesting. Um, so like he overdeveloped the anterior chain and underdeveloped the posterior chain, basically like sheared his, basically sheared his upper and lower half. Wow. Uh, through the midsection. It was, that doesn't he, sound good. No, it was awful. Um, and he, he describes it in detail. He actually works in acupuncture now. Um, but, uh, you know, he's the one that told me, he's like, find an activity that works the underdeveloped areas. So mm. it turns out 
I, man, I've always been really cool. Um, <laughs> but uh, when I was a kid, I used to rollerblade, and I was really good at it. Yeah. Like, I mean, we had a skate park in I our hometown. I you rollerblading. Dude, like, I, we half pipes, all that stuff. Like, honestly, I, my brother and I, we were pretty darn good at it. Yeah. And uh, I always like falling off of things. Um, but, uh, you know, he's like, he brought it up. I actually was doing a podcast with him. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's like, yeah, man. He's like, you know, so like activities like rollerblading works the glutes really well. And hmm. uh, I was like, dude, like I'm really good at rollerblading. I, and I went and bought a pair of rollerblades. That's awesome. <laughs> it was like my first pair, like, I don't know, like 16, 17 years. Yeah. And then, uh, and then Lydia bought a pair of skates too. So we skate together now. That's cool. Um, but that's a great activity that's working those underdeveloped areas. And you don't feel like you're doing work cause you're having fun. Right. Like I like going to the gym. I like, doing yoga. I like mm-hmm. doing those kinds of things, but those, and it, it, it's because it's not my sport or my activity per se, but I look at those as auxiliary, mm-hmm. like, because it doesn't motivate me as much as like an activity that actually offers movement and something I can do with my wife and my dog. Mm-hmm. Like I'm more motivated by that mm-hmm. because that to me is a better use of time, right? The gym, if I have time or I lack time, um, right? I'm, I'm in school and I have access to a gym and I need to do some work. That's what the gym's for. And mm-hmm. I think that's really, really useful too, but not everybody's motivated by that environment. And a lot of folks are really intimidated by that environment. And I think that's because the culture that's kind of grown up around it and not everybody can afford a home gym, mm-hmm. but you know, kind of going back to your original question, because man, did I digress? Um, can, what can people do to, um, especially work on like lower back pain, Yes, stretching. Um, yes, strengthening. A lot of it, I think, what we see more so, it's probably strengthening before stretching. Mm-hmm. Um, and you also have to be careful about stretching if it's injury-related. Sometimes inflammation translates as a feeling of stiffness. Hmm. And if you're stretching through inflammation, you can actually be causing tearing. Interesting. So you need to be careful about that. Like you want to, you know, the big thing, you know, they always say consult a physician before you start any new activity or something like that. Um, And really what physicians are saying is like, quit sending us people. We keep telling them to exercise. (laughs) Um, So that's why exercise physiologists and exercise scientists exist. Like we're we're supposed to be there as the middle ground. Mm -hmm. Um, And folks are like, what? Um, But really what those folks are going to do is they're going to start to diagnose some movements, things like that. So strength coaches, good strength coaches, um, good physical therapists, movement is medicine. Mm-hmm. So if you're having trouble and you're active, you know, like do something different. Mm-hmm. Like, and I, I, I would love to get really specific with you, but it's so unique to every individual. Right. Your injuries were unique to you. Mm-hmm. because it's unique to your movement as is my injuries were unique to me. Mm-hmm. So for me to just go out there and be like, yeah, everybody needs to go and do this stretch. Maybe that would be the wrong way to say it. Right. Um, if I had to paint a broad brushstroke and say that if there's an area that's underdeveloped glutes and abs, mm-hmm. and then if there's an area that tends to be tight, tends to be the hip flexors, mm-hmm. right? What about, so you're talking about like under, underdeveloped areas. What about, you know how paddlers are just, we're sitting here. We're both kind of like hunched forward, rolled forward. That's because it's hard to sit up. Is, now, <laughs> is that just the, the human body? Because we're not designed to be sitting and therefore it's hard to sit up? Yeah, absolutely. Is, Think about the bone structure itself. Okay. Like how it stacks up. Yeah. Right? Again, standing. Right. Like that's how this, this, the spine's got this nice S shape to it. Um, yeah, all the skeletal muscle system works together synergistically to, to hold the body up to minimize fatigue mm-hmm. and to maximize efficient movement. Um, is there like an underdeveloped area that we should be trying to strengthen? Or is it just the fact that the skeletal configuration isn't designed to be sitting for long periods of time like that? It's both. Okay. Yeah, it's both. Like we're not designed to be sitting. Um, you know, we do sit like that's a restful position a lot of the time, but generally speaking, you're, you're either standing upright or you're laying, you know, what Down. we'd say supine mm-hmm. yeah, on your back or on your belly or even on your side. Um, like that's, that's how rest is supposed to happen. Hmm. Um, 
yeah, who invented the chair? We really need to find that, find that information. We need to get to the root of this. We need to, <laughs> we need to find a time machine. We need to go back. Like you did a bad thing. Well, you created a chair, but th- that, that chair also then was transferred into a kayak with maybe the Eskimos or in so, that, somewhere in that order, and, and in that exact order. Yeah. I think it went chair to so kayak. They're like, so okay, so that, we got that chair. Now we should build a kayak, kayak. around it. Yeah. And in, in that order, I think it was a great invention. Yeah. It's incredible. <laughs> yeah. I mean that the kayaks that were originally made were made out of, uh, you know, facility in, in that, um, you know, they had to hunt. Mm-hmm. The only way you were going to get to to whales and seals was by water. Yeah. And man, have you ever seen the old? There's, I think, it, I, somehow I saw this online. There's like an old video of like actual Eskimos that would go hunting and kayaking and stuff like that. And it's shot probably on like an old nine millimeter like handheld yes. something or whatever. And it shows like a whole family coming out yes. from the kayak, including the dog. I was like, yeah. man, that's so cool. So like, are, are you familiar with like Greenland rolling technique? Yeah. So yeah. it's like there's like 32 different rolls that they have to master. Oh, I didn't so, know there was that many. Oh, rolls. it's insane. Okay, it's like you know, you got the brick roll where you're passing a brick. Over it's like what it's like what's what's uh, like what's the use? But this is what I learned. There is function to a lot of those roles. A lot of those roles were dictated based on adversity that hunters experienced. Mm-hmm. So like a one-handed roll um, was invented. So you um, can hold a harpoon. So you can hold a harpoon or Makes your equipment, sense. or yeah. if you become entangled in your own equipment. Yeah. Um, so all of these varieties of roles were based on function. Yeah. Which is, I mean, that's. To awesome. me, like, yeah, that's fantastic. Like, that's the, like, that's that's what I want to know. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's I th- I think that stuff is kind of cool. That's but, super cool. Yeah, Chris, I could sit here and talk uh, sports medicine and exercise science with you for for hours, uh, and we probably will continue this on later on in the parking lot. But yeah, everybody else has got to pay for more. But, but <laughs> <laughs> that's usually not how it works. But, <laughs> but, <laughs> But um, we're going to put up a paywall for this particular episode. No, we're not. Uh, no, um. no. What um, I'm, I'm going to move us on to the next part of the show uh, that I call the fire round. But before I get oh, into got, that, you got like special oh, segments. Dude. Oh, for sure. I do. Nick, yeah, I, I, get super I apologize. Excited. I think I've listened. To, I, I listened to your first couple shows. I know that this has gone through, you know, kind of uh, an evolution and I'm just now learning about it. Yeah. I would have better prepared for no, this. No, well, I'm, I I like it best when when people aren't prepared. for Well, now it. I have performance anxiety. Well, you you should you should. These are really tough questions, and they're questions that I ask every guest, so it's just very repetitive questions. Oh, awesome. Um, so, first question of our fire round, Chris, do you have a favorite quote or a current quote that you live by? You know, I used to. That'll work. I used to. <laughs> uh and I, I'm gonna I'm gonna mess it up. Those ah, man, see, it's not gonna flow off the tongue. Um, for those that want to learn to fly, you must first learn to uh, crawl, walk, run, like something that. along those lines. Um, and uh, I'm trying to recall who the author was. I don't know. It's on I'll my it it's up. on my Facebook profile. I just yeah. look it up there. <laughs> Um, but yeah, Everything it's like, lives. you know, it's obviously life is a progression. Mm-hmm. You know, rarely is it um, completely linear, but like in those kind of instances, it is like we all want to fly, but there are, there are rudimentary steps that we take prior to doing it. I love that. It reminds us that there's steps and that it's a that process. It, it is a process and that you don't go from, from, uh, learning, strapping on a snowboard to mastery, uh, overnight either. That well, I do. <laughs> I mean, everything I do is that it's just instant. Yeah. Um, Chris, do you have a favorite book or a recent book that you may have been reading? Could be related to uh, what you're studying, like, sports medicine. I'll or tell you, I really or... love reading textbooks. Like, yeah, I mean, they're so en- enrapturing. <laughs> um, man, I and it's, it's been a minute since I've read a book, like for for leisure. Mm-hmm. Um, man, one of my favorite books, and this is just this is completely off the cuff. This is completely unrelated to anything that I'm doing. But uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Yeah, it's just it's I I like science fiction because it lets me kind of just unlock from any sort of life stress and everything. And that guy was so damn sarcastic, mm-hmm. which if you, if you spent any amount of time around me, you know that sarcasm to me is like the highest form of humor <laughs> like to probably to everybody else's chagrin to everybody's probably pissed off at me all the time. Uh, but yeah, uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, hands down. 
you know, I'm turning 42 this year, which that is the meaning of life in everything <laughs> based on the book. So is it? Yeah. Oh, I, man. They create, I, so in, in, I haven't in, read that book. Oh man, you got to. I have to like, know. It's, um, it's a, it's an entire anthology of books, but, um, and I'm not into sagas. Yeah. I hate sagas, but, uh, this is like, it's all humor, mm-hmm. but they create this supercomputer to figure out the meaning of life. This like alien life form wants to figure out the meaning of life. And the computer goes through like, I don't know, like millions of years of like computing and everything mm-hmm. else. And they go, the, it, the day has arrived. The computer is going to announce what the meaning of life is. And it simply proclaims 42. And they're like, 42? Like, what does that even mean? They're like, well, you asked for the answer to the meaning of life. You didn't ask for the question. It's like, that's well, awesome. what's the question? She's like, well, I didn't, that's not what I was designed for. I'll have to design a completely different <laughs> computer to come it. up with the question in the meaning of life. Oh, it's like, that's amazing. And the lesson there is ask the right question, right? Wow. And that, so, yeah, it's hilarious. And if, if, you're, if you don't read any deeper than that, you like had a good chuckle and you're like, oh, that's pretty funny. That is pretty funny. But if funny. you go a little bit deeper, it's like ask the right question. I do like that. Ask the right questions in life. Wow, that's, that's pretty deep right there. I didn't realize that. Uh, well, I'm kind of a deep guy. You know, you I sit around and just. You are a pretty deep guy. Um, so you had, you had mentioned earlier that, uh, that you're, you're studying in school and you're, you're, are you actually 40? No, you're 40, 41, 41. Okay. Okay. I wasn't sure if you were just about anyway. Um, so 41, you're studying with a lot of 20 year olds. Yeah. Uh, one of my favorite questions is if you were to go back in time, I did, so I did go back. You in time. did go back in time and you're hanging out with all these 20 year olds. If you could go back in time and talk to the 20 year old version of Chris wing, uh, what would you tell yourself? Mm. Man, he was an idiot. <laughs> um, man, I honestly just keep doing what you're doing. Yeah. Just, just do it. Like, uh, yeah. Nike cliche there. Right. Um, you know, that's, that's a really tough one. Yeah. I created a lot of my own personal hardships in life. I think everybody's that way. Right. Like Mm -hmm. they're like, man, man, I made some stupid decisions when I was younger. I think that's learning. Yeah. So, you know, I think the big thing that I would tell myself is just make sure that you know, whatever it is that you decide to do, it doesn't hurt anybody else. That's yeah. it. Um, I, by and large, every decision I made in life, I would say didn't hurt people too much. But there was probably a period of my life where I was probably a little bit less than responsible. And there was probably some collateral damage that I probably have a little bit of regret about. I mean, nothing, nothing major. Like, I, I didn't kill anybody or anything. <laughs> <laughs> There's no dead bodies anywhere or anything like that. But, that we know of. But, you know, like, I would have loved to have treated a couple people a little bit better. In, in general, I was very, very good to people, and I was very good to myself. But, you know, there's always in- instances, like, you go back and you're, like, going through the memory bank, and you get that moment where you're just sitting by yourself, and suddenly you go, ooh, I did that. Like maybe I'd do that differently. So just make sure that you're doing the things with, you know, with love in your heart and you're not, you know, you're making sure that there's no collateral damage in that way. I love that. Yeah. That is phenomenal, phenomenal advice. One of my most favorite questions to ask in the fire round, Chris, is if today was your last day on earth. Oh, good. And everything that you've done. So this would have been all of your, your business, your, your coaching, uh, your studying, everything, all of the videos that you've made, uh, everything was to go with you. And all that you're left with is a piece of paper and a pen, and you could leave three truths. This could be for your wife, Whoa. for your family, for future generations. What might those three Why didn't you warn be? me about this question? Well, like, this was, this is like, I would have stayed up all night last night writing these I, out. I don't warn people, but this one's my favorite question to wow. ask. What are your three truths? Like, if I left something, my three truths. Yeah. Oh, man. In the 40 years of life that you've got, what, what might those three truths be that I, you've learned? So, I kind of created a mantra for myself really early on when I started H2O Dreams. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it's not, it's not our mission or anything like that, but it's like, what are the, what are the character traits that, um, that really helped guide me? Um, and it was to be creative, to be driven and to be passionate. Um, I love that. So in, I remember somebody, uh, asked me, you know, they're like, Oh, you're a business owner. That's great. Like, do you have like a, 
you know, like a tagline. I said, creative, passionate, driven. And they're like, they, they were like, <laughs> they were just catatonic. Like what? Like, like that doesn't sell anything. <laughs> it's like, that, what's, that wasn't kind of the point. It was like, it's supposed to be like a guiding light. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so that was always really important to me. Be creative, be passionate, be driven. Um, I know that's conveniently three. Yeah. Um, well, those are three pretty amazing truths right there, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, these truths, re- uh, no, I don't know. I don't even know what I'm going to say. <laughs> I, I'm going to stop right there. I was going to be, try to be witty and it wasn't going to come out and it would have fallen flat. And we're at the end of the podcast and I can't leave on that kind of note. Yeah. Well, so, no, no, I, I actually, I love those three. Be, be creative, be passionate, passionate and be driven and be driven. And now, yeah, I'm, I'm going to try to, to live, live by that. I feel like I kind of already... Oh, I'm checking in on you now. I feel like I already kind of do those three things. Of but, course. You're, but, tra- you're attracted to similar people, right? That's why we're sitting here with two microphones in our hand. Yeah. Like, but, two- I, but it's still, it's good to, to have these reminders. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. I love, I, it, for me, that question kind of like, I feel like I get to dive into different people's yeah. brains and mantras and be like, oh, I, I should be implementing that more in my life. So yeah. I'm going to do that. Chris... I always gain so much value out of these conversations and these interviews, um, and I hope my listeners do as well. But being that I get so much value out of this, what might be something that I can give back to you? So is there anything that you're currently focusing on that either I can personally help with or possibly even my listeners? Man, I just need to get over my fear of water. Actually? No, I'm joking. That was sarcasm. <laughs> well, See, the, like I, that was totally deadpan though, I, right? No, well, ironically, I said actually because I have a fear of water, yeah. which is a whole I different think, podcast. Honestly, altogether. I think we all do. It turns out we don't breathe under it. That's true. Um, uh, you know what? Man, these are, these are really tough questions, Nick. Like th- this isn't something that you ordinarily kind of answer off the cuffs. Usually you're given some notice, but what can you offer? You already have, man. Like, you know, the thing is, is like, like I said, I was like a creep back in 2007, eight, when I started like hanging out at Rock Island, I weaseled my way way into Clay's house. And, you know, that, that whole community over there has already given me a ton. Like in the fact that I get to kind of dip in and out of this community of my own, you know, volition. And, you know, you guys welcome me with open arms every single time. Like, no, that, that's value in and of itself. Like, and getting to have these conversations is really fun too. I, I feel like where we really got to know one another is when uh, those two trips in China. Mm-hmm. Like, it turns out when you're sitting in a bus for 14 hours. <laughs> may um, have even been more than that. It may have been like 24 we, hours. I think we coined that second trip as the transiting trip. Yeah. Like we were just constantly transiting. It's like yeah. eventually we'll get, hey, look, there's a river. Nope, we're going to another one two days away. <laughs> it's like, where are we? Like, where are, like, and that was, for for that alone that trip was worth it like yeah. we didn't do a whole lot of paddling but no, no like, we we got to do a lot of talking we did it was a lot of fun yeah that was a good group of folks but yeah i'd say you you've already offered the value there's i don't i don't measure friendship or anything like that based on what you can give me um you know it's it's not a like yeah ideas can be currency but that's it's a free market man Free market. Maybe not a free market. Maybe <laughs> no, it's not capitalistic. We shouldn't say that. Like I think that has some negative tone to it, but um, it's uh, it, 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 that should be open source. Open source. There we go. Yeah. I like that, Chris. For anyone out there that wants to follow along or uh, continue on with your journey, maybe check out your kayak school, anything like that. What might be the best way for people to connect with you or reach out? They can't. <laughs> they can't. No, I'm becoming more of a hermit now. You're not allowed. Uh, Closed book. I am. Yeah. Closed new, source now. New chapter of my life. I'm actually going recluse. Um, yeah. I mean, obviously, our paddling school is 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 thriving right now. I'm really excited about it. But as such, like we're seeing more students and everything. I'm actually. I'm not as involved with the operational aspects like I once was. Mm-hmm. So where you would see my face day in and day out um, has changed because my bandwidth has changed. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I always keep my, my social channels, all that stuff open, um, unless you're a weirdo. Um, <laughs> leave me alone if you're a weirdo. Um, I also value my time. So if you reach out and you're just literally looking to like, you know, kind of siphon off of me. I, I 
I whip that out of my life real quick too. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, please reach out. Like I'm, I'm actually, I'm really happy to talk to people, especially people I've never met before. Um, but yeah, I'm on, I'm on all the usual social, you know, social channels. Um, h2odreams.com is our website. Um, I'm getting heavily involved again with USA Freestyle Kayak, which I'm really stoked about. Um, you know, still doing our work with uh, American Canoe Association. I'm up at App State in Boone, North Carolina right now, but our, we call home, you know, the Green River in Saluda, North Carolina. Go, go find Jet to put into the green. You know, I don't, as often as I live there, I don't paddle it nearly as much as you would think. Well, I'm going I'm to have to head up there and just drag you out of your dude, place. Dude, please, like, by all go, means, like, I am so like, so here's, this is the big deal. And this is the last story I'll tell. But I, with the, the shrinking amount of time I have these days, I don't have time to dirt bag. <laughs> don't, don't, don't be a jangler if you're going to call me up and want to go kayaking. Like, listen, man, and it's not, I'm not too self-important or anything else like that, but I don't have time for a six-hour lap on the green. And what the hell are you doing for six hours on the green, man? Like, what are you doing? Yeah, you're going too slow. You, you're, you're probably way, hanging out too much time in the Way too much time. <laughs> way too much time. Like, yo, like, and don't get me wrong, I love, I love a casual lap down the green on a sunny day. Yeah. Like, I love it. But six hours. Like, it's like, what did you do, man? Like, what, <laughs> what did you do? Um, but yeah, hit me up for Green Lab. I like, I, I still like to kayak. I've been doing a ton more playboating lately. I've just been jazzed on it again. Well, so. well, maybe you'll have to come back to Rock Island. We'll playboat there too. Yeah, I heard Brave Wave's back. It is. Yeah. Well, maybe we'll just keep hanging out here in Columbus, Georgia. Columbus is pretty sweet, man. It's pretty awesome. Yeah, it's pretty sweet. And awesome. uh, all the, uh, the international weirdos are here too. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty cool. <laughs> pretty cool. Well, thank you so very much for your time today, Chris. This has been a phenomenal uh, learning experience for me to learn about different um, sports medicine slash exercise science, body awareness, all this kind of stuff. Things that essentially I need to strengthen to be better in my kayak. Uh, it was also a really fun conversation just getting to talk okay. with you, getting to laugh. And uh, I always enjoy our time together. We had we had a great dinner last night. So yeah, that it, was that was interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah the, <laughs> anyway, that, that's a whole other whole other whole other podcast. Whole other podcast yeah. there. But uh, hopefully my listeners out there, hopefully you guys have gained some value out of Chris's expertise and knowledge and experience and uh, definitely reach out to him follow him along if you guys are interested in, in his kayak school check him out at H2O Dreams is it H2O Dreams with an S? yeah yep. H2Odreams.com go check him out and uh, if you guys could do me a favor if you got value out of this podcast please leave us a rating and review wherever it is that you guys are listening as that greatly helps us um, continue to reach out to more people there's the whole I don't know, podcast algorithm thing. But please, if you guys could leave us a rating and review, it's greatly appreciated by myself. So thank you guys for doing that. My final question of the day for you, Chris. Yes, sir. What is your definition of awesome? Ah, these days, honestly, it's just a great day with my wife. Like, it's so nice to be able to chill, like, and just hang out and get on the water or just go for a hike with the dog. Like, that these days is the most awesome thing. Um, I've been really lucky to have a lot of awesome experiences. So now it's like, I sit back and kind of think about some of those things. Yeah. I'm, I'm still got, I still got more. I'm not saying I'm dead yet. Yeah, there I'm we not go. dead yet, but yeah, it's that's good, it, man. It's good to take, take a break, take a moment, relax, yeah. spend time with the ones that you love. So yep. that truly is awesome, especially if you're getting outdoors. Yeah. Uh, I love that you called it the art of awesome, by the way. Well, thanks. I'm it's, having fun with it. It's awesome. Dude. It, it is pretty awesome. <laughs> it, you would almost even say it's solid. <laughs> <laughs> I love the jokes that you busted out. That's, yeah. that's an inside joke that, that yeah. Anyway. You guys don't get to have that. That's <laughs> our, it's mine and Nick's. It's our special, it's our special word. That's all we get to say. Awesome. That's, yeah. Thank you so very much again for your time, Chris. Um, as always, I am Nick Troutman signing off, wishing you all a truly awesome day. Cheers, everybody. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. 
You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.